Please stand for the reading of God's word. Today's readings come from Genesis 12, 1 through 4, and it can be found on page 8 in the Pew Bibles. Und der Herr sprach zu Abram, geh aus deinem Vaterland und von deiner Verwandtschaft und aus deines Vaters Haus in ein Land, das ich dir zeigen will. Und ich will dich zum großen Volk machen und will dich segnen und dir einen großen Namen machen. Und du sollst ein Segen sein. Ich will segnen, die dich segnen und wer flüchen, die dich verflüchen. Und in dir sollen gesegnet werden alle Geschlechter auf Erden. Da zog Abraham aus, wie der Herr zu ihm gesagt hatte. Und Lot zog mit ihm, Abraham, aber war 75 Jahre alt, als er aus Haran zog. The word of the Lord. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. You have a very courageous leadership to allow a wild Moabite like me the, for the fourth time in their pulpit. I'm really thankful to the pastors and the leadership of this church of giving me this chance to visit with you and be part of what you are doing and making me feel home. Thank you so much. I'm thankful to Pastor Manfred and his wife hosting me in their home, making me feel one of their family members. It's good to be here together. I would like to tell you a story of a friend of mine I've known so much. All my lifetime, I've known him. He was born in a little village in the ancient Moab, that's the south of Jordan. He grew up there, and uh, when he finished high school for further education, he had to go to the city. And there in the city, he got uh, uh, mingling with the wrong group of people. And there he adopted communism. And he became a radical communist. He was doing well at uh, his classes. He was the first. Many parents thought he is a good role model for their children, but he had a dark side to his life, a hidden side. He was leading, uh, leading a little uh, gag. He was involved in many fights. He was a wrestler, a weightlifter. He would enjoy beating people and people beating him and having blood all around. Till one day he was walking down the street of that little town, which is used to be the ancient capital of the kingdom of Moab. And he had a friend with him, and he was sharing his communism 
ideals with his friend, hoping to convert him to join the Communist Party. While they were talking and walking, and that was the habit in those days for young people to hang around, walking in the streets, a member of his gang come running to him and say, guess what? That evangelical church around the corner, which was the only evangelical church in town, they were having a private meeting behind closed doors. And they wouldn't let anybody who's not a member of that church in. My friend was provoked by that. And it, it, it just, uh, that troublesome in him was tickled enough. He said, I'm going to see if their Jesus can protect them. I will break in and have a fight with them. So he went with his friend. He kicked the door open, broke it, made a big noise. When he walked in, in that little hall, there were like 20-some elderly people, only two young men there. Still, he shouted, if there is any man here for a fight, everybody was scared. Then an old man came to him and offered me his chair. Well, that young man was me. That was my story. When I sat down, there was in front of them an American Lebanese with broken Arabic, he was trying to train them how to share their faith with others. When he gathered his courage together, he resumed his talk. He was explaining the sinner's prayer. It didn't sound right to me. Few words to the so-called Jesus would change your life. Well, previously, I tried to commit suicide three times out of guilt because I had a double life. And I said, this cannot be true. While I was debating it in myself, I could hear a soft voice within me. What if it is true? I didn't bow my head. I didn't close my eyes. I said, Jesus, if you really exist, and if you really can do it, can you do what this man said about you? Help me out. I'm desperate. I need you, Jesus. And suddenly, I never said amen because that was the first time for me to pray ever. I felt a cloud coming all over me, going throughout my body from head to toe. And suddenly, I couldn't feel the weight of my body the peace, the joy, it was incredible. I remember when the meeting was over, I couldn't walk. I was running up and, side, up and down the street, going back home early in the evening. Usually, I would go back early in the morning. My sister-in-law met me, and she said, what are you doing here so early? I said to her, please be quiet. Do you have a Bible? That was the shock of her life. A thief is asking for a Bible. She said, a Bible? I said, yes, I need a Bible. She mocked me a little bit, and she said, oh, by the way, your brother, when he was in Scotland for 
training with the Jordanian Air Force, a born-again officer, a British officer, gave him an Arabic Bible. I'll look and I'll bring it to you. We don't need it. And she brought it and threw it at me. Take it. And I went to my room, shut my door, and I start reading from Genesis chapter 1. Within two months, I read the whole Bible. The joy I had, it was amazing. I could express it with words. And I discovered it's too good just to keep this to myself. My friend, let me tell you, the day after I got converted, he went back to that church. The, the training is still going on. He, he, he found one of them. He grabbed him by the shirt. He said, if you don't tell me what happened to my friend, I'll beat you up. And that day he got converted. <laughs> Not far away from here, he is leading an Arab Baptist church in Chicago. Three years ago, he moved into this city. He, before he was the chaplain for the Jordan Seminary. God is an amazing God. God called Father Abraham out of his country, out of his family, out of his land, saying, I'm going to bring you to a new land. I will bless you. I will make you a blessing, and, and I will make your name great. Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and I will make you blessing to all the peoples of the earth. I call it the Abrahamic covenant, but exactly that's what God does with each one of us when we accept the Lord Jesus as our personal savior. God wanted Father Abraham, he said, I bless you, you become blessing to others. I bless you so you may become a channel of blessing. That is what you are and what you are supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be. My friends, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the most famous verse in the mission world in, about discipleship and, you know, but I have a different translation for it. I call it the Moabite translation, since I'm a Moabite, and it only exists in my little weird mind. You cannot find it anywhere. This is how it say, we are in debt to all peoples that they might receive the gospel in the same measure we have received. The things I have entrusted to you in the presence of many witnesses, make sure to pass them on to qualified, to skillful people. We are in debt. Do you know that? The moment you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you start growing and your debt start growing. Because God is not going to hold you accountable for something he hasn't given it to you first. So whatever you have received that blessed you and changed your life, your responsibility to share it with others so they might be blessed as well. 
That's what it means simply to be salt and light. So this Abraham covenant is our covenant too. In Acts chapter 17, nowadays you don't say to people, turn on, open your Bibles. Now you say to them, turn on your iPhones. Eh? Listen carefully. Because this is something about you. Oh, you don't believe it? Oh, yes, God has this thing written in Acts 17, verse 26 to 28 about you and me. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. You remember in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve and I showed about it last Sunday, he said to them, increase for the earth, subdue it, reign over it. Well, in chapter 11, we find the different story. They didn't want to implement God's story, God's calling. They had their own replacement plan, replacement theology, call it whatever you like. They decided we found a nice place called Chicago. Oh, here is a place where we could build our future. They built a city. They had their own religion, built a tower that reaches up to the sky. Here we can stay together, cozy and wonderful. So many churches are like that. So many churches, they are Genesis chapter 11. We're happy. Are you feeling good? We're feeling good. We're having a good time. We're blessed. We are looking after each other. We're building a name for ourselves. Hallelujah. That's it. God was upset with that. Because God wanted to bless all the corners of earth. He wanted them to fill the whole earth with his kingdom. So he came down and he confused their tongues. He created languages. He created people groups, ethnic, ethnicity. Even I cannot say it, forgive me. You know what I mean. Suddenly those who spoke English, they were becoming together. And they formed the English. They later on called themselves the British and the German, and every people group, every ethnic group, stick it together based on language. And then God scattered them. Because his plan, he wants to bless every corner of planet Earth. But God didn't do it just by random. We read in Deuteronomy that God gave all people groups their inheritance, their land, their geographical boundaries according to the number of the tribes of Israel. Why? Because Israel calling to be light to the nation. Everything God wanted to give to the nation, he did it through the nation of Israel. All the prophets, all the scripture, Jesus himself. 
You know, that's the redemptive purpose. And every people group have their redemptive purpose. Every person has a role. We call it calling, redemptive purpose. But God has a role for you. And here we read that God predestined the time we were born, our generation. He predestined our location. Because he is not only just God of man, God of people, he's God of geography. The land belongs to God. And to have a kingdom, you need to have a land. You need to have a people. You need to have a king. And you need to have a constitution. And we have it all in the kingdom of God. So now, don't let anybody tell you a lie. Because some people, they hear their prayers, we never planned to have you. It was a mistake. There was no mistake. That was God's plan. That you would be born in that year you were born. And it is God's plan that you are in this location because God has a plan for you. It has to do with his kingdom in this generation and in this location. Amen to that? Yes, there are people, God would call them missionaries, uh, cross-cultural. He would call them out of a people group, uh, out of a certain land, the same way he called Father Abraham to another land, to another people group. That is okay, because God has a plan for all of us. Not only that you were predestined by God, you were predestined by God to make an impact in this generation, on this location. You are already a winner. You remember last Sunday I told you about the chicken and the eagle? Wait, now you have even a better story. (laughs) And that's your story. Do you know why? Always I keep telling people, God has written your life story and he made sure that the end of it is a great success, but it is, it is all to you, up to you if you want to live it out or not. Or you could turn it into a losing, a loser story. But God never intended that. Okay. You remember, it's a scientific thing. In, in, in my culture, it's very embarrassing to say it, but you know what? I'm very German. I embarrass people. And there is no harm when you want to tell the truth and the truth embarrasses us. I keep, people keep embarrassing me, I keep embarrassing them. The most important thing, we learn from each other. When a man and a wife meet in the intimate relationship, scientifically, it depends how healthy is the male, he would release millions of sperms every time. Some scientific medical research, they say even up to 500 million sperm every time. These 500 million sperms, they compete for one egg. And you have one. You have defeated 400 million sperm, 999,999. And you are telling me you are not a winner? 
That's why you are here. Because you defeated them all. It's in your DNA. That's who you are. God created you to win and to be in existence that meant to defeat 400 million, 99, people. <laughs> I'm not good with math. But you get the point? That's you. Not only we have been predestined to be born in this generation to make a difference, not we have been assigned to this location, we have been designed to be winners, to make a difference for the kingdom of God where God has planted us. You know, I told you about the debt we have. We are blessed to become blessing, huh? And our debt keeps growing. And I hope this morning your debt is going to grow more and more as I teach the word of God and you will get to know God more and receive more blessing from God. How do we pay off this debt? It's okay, you tell me I have a huge debt to pay, thank you. But help me, how to, can I pay it off? You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul is writing to his son in faith, Timothy. Say to him, be strong. He's not suggesting that he should be strong. He is commanding him. Why? Because he tell him, the source of this strength, it's by grace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind you this morning, everything we need to receive from God, we receive it by grace because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is no excuse for any believer to be a weak believer. If the strength, we're saved by grace, we're strong by grace, everything we receive, we receive it by grace. We don't deserve it, we don't, we, we cannot gain it, it's given free because of God's love and grace stretched to each one of us. So how do we do it? First, remember, it's not by your own strength. How did they receive the power of the Holy Spirit? They had to be obedient to God and get ready. And why sometimes it takes us a long time? Because we are not ready. And it is a gift. But then how? If the power is from God, how do we do it? What is our strategy? Remember King David? King David, the Psalms tell us that God says, not only King David is after my own heart, he said he was the greatest king ever walked on planet Earth. To the point he says about his son Jesus, 
Jesus, son of David. That Jesus would sit on the throne of David. Can you imagine? How come? Why? Well, two things. First, David never ever justified himself sinning. He wasn't perfect. You know what? I don't dare to invite him for lunch at home. I have four beautiful ladies. I cannot trust this man with my wife and three girls. Always he has a weakness towards beautiful ladies. Probably I will never invite him to preach in my church. But the man God said, he's after my own heart. Whenever he was confronted with sin, he never found justification, excuses for himself. He would repent and not just do, you know, dignified repentance. There is no dignity in repentance. There is always humiliation in repentance. Uh, it is sad nowadays that many leaders, they only repent when they are exposed. I doubt their repentance. How many times God was convicting, speaking, and they were quiet. But when they are exposed, they repent. Well, David was a king. And not only he just repented, he exposed himself. He wrote a hymn. And he taught it to the worshipers. Till this day, we talk about the sin of David. David humiliated himself in repentance. When you don't tolerate sin in your life, and you repent, Without any hesitation, God will honor that. And he will call you, you are after my own heart. Not only this, it says David served God's purposes in his generation with integrity of heart and skillful hands. What is integrity of heart? Exactly what Paul is writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 to entrust into reliable and skillful people the gospel. Integrity when the inside matches exactly the outside of you. When your heart's attitudes and motives matches what you say. When you're thinking, deep thinking that is inside of you matches the way you behave and you act and you handle your life with others. This is integrity. No more acting. No more hypocrisy. No more double faces. Once uh, a lady was visiting her friend, and the little baby of this friend was looking at the face of the other lady visiting them. And she said, why are you staring in my face? She said, because mama keeps telling us you have a double face, and I only see one face. <laughs> Does your action match? You're preaching. 
You know, there are preachers back home. I'm not talking about the Americans. Don't misunderstand me. Who am I? I don't know your culture. If I live longer, I won't be, I'll be able to talk about uh, American preachers. They preach, but it's not for themselves. It's for the people. But you know what? Every time I stand here, I'm preaching to myself first, and then for you second. Are you a man and women of integrity? You know, I haven't had a personal email since 1998 when I started the mission. At least four people read all my emails in my staff. Because there, if you are a leader, it's like running a mafia. Nobody should know. Are you a man and a woman of integrity? When you are in church Sunday morning with your Sunday morning service suit on, are you acting the same way when you are sitting back home, relaxed, watching TV with your wife and children? That's the biggest problem. This is the biggest disqualification of being effective in God's sight. Second thing, skillful hands. And I'll tell you a story. Two Middle Eastern guys went to collect wood because they used wood in the old days for fire, for energy, for cooking, for heating, for everything. One of them had his axe, and as soon as they reached the wood, he started chopping off. And the other one, he pulled his sharpener, and he started sharpening his axe. And it took him a while, an hour or so. And the other one started mocking him. He said, aren't you going to get some work done? You are wasting your time. Look how many wood I have collected. And he started really mocking him. But after he sharpened his axe, he would go slowly without much effort. <laughs> Quickly, he collected more wood, organized, clear-cut. Everything was wonderful. Look, my friends, we need to sharpen our gifts and skills for the sake of the kingdom. We need to give Jesus our best because God has given us his best, Jesus himself. Uh-uh. It's not good enough. We need to work on ourselves. We need to give him the best because he deserves the best. So if you are the pre a preacher of the word, Study the word. Work hard. Spend time on your knees praying. Give God your best. Never, ever settle down for your second best. You know, if you, are, if you feel your, your job is giving, don't give God the leftovers. Give God the first of your fruit. Give God the best of what you have. Give God the best of your years. Oh, I have friends back home. They go and they do business, and after retirement, they think of doing ministry. 
God deserves your best. So how can we pay off our debt? Integrity of heart. How can we pay it? By doing the best, giving the best, sharpening, developing ourselves, be in the best shape for God and his kingdom. And after all, it's not by our power, by his power, which is available for all of us by grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful church. Surprise them, Lord. Transform them. Make them the unstoppable force in your hand. Use them in a powerful way to bring change in this city, in this nation, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys.